So glad we have a good father. I know so much that word loses its luster in our society when we hear good. I've said it before, we hear good, we think good sandwich, good movie. That was a good place to visit. And it takes away the strength of the meaning for good with God. God is not like your sandwich, like that movie that you saw, not like that vacation you went on. He is of great benefit. He is pure. He is filled with purpose. He is a good father. This morning, we're going to continue with characteristics of the kingdom as we are in our series on the Sermon on the Mount. We're in chapter 6 of Matthew. You can turn there in your Bibles. Actually, if you would stand with me, we're going to read the first four verses. First four verses that are in the centerfold of your bulletin, if you don't have your Bibles with you, um, or your device that has the Bible on it. Although we're reading the first four verses, the context for us and what we'll be dealing with is Matthew 6, 1 through 18. And if you're wondering, how on earth is he going to get through all of that? The whole context for today is 18, and I will be hitting in places within the context, so... We will get through it, and you will get out. Let's read together. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Amen. I added a word there. It says sees, not sees you. Amen. You may be seated. As we knew at the end of chapter 5 a couple of weeks ago as we were reading and as we were visiting uh, before Mother's Day, Jesus ended chapter, what, what we have as chapter 5 is you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. He gives the standard of life for the kingdom. Now, he knows that that, that sinless perfection is not ours, but that doesn't change the standard. And so I like that because we said before, just when we think we got it all together, we just need to look at the standard. The standard is not your neighbor. The standard is him. And so he says, be perfect, for your Father in heaven is perfect. And the one who sets the kingdom in place, the one who has now brought it to where it is now coming out. But then in chapter 6, as one commentator says, he says, although he says be perfect, he is saying be careful. See, Jesus knows the human heart. 
And he knows that in that quest to live perfectly, there is a danger there for us as humanity. And the danger is what he's getting into. That danger becomes, am I practicing my righteousness or am I parading it? And this morning, that's what we're going to look at. I'll put a title on this text. It's, it's asking the question, are you practicing or parading your righteousness? There's a difference. If you've ever seen a parade, the whole focus of, of, of the parade is to have the attention drawn on its participants. Whether you're honoring something or whether you're, you know, what, what, whatever it is, the focus of a parade is to focus on and look at and applaud its participants. And Jesus is saying he will have none of that in the kingdom of God. But there's something else that's there as well that I want us to understand when we look at our righteousness, that it was meant to be practiced, not just professed. And so he tells us, and he starts off with, with, with something that I want us to understand, he gives us a caution. He tells us, firstly, practice with caution in order not to parade. Practice with caution in order not to parade. He tells you and I, be perfect, but be careful. Righteousness was meant to be lived out. When you came into the family of God and when you came as a citizen of the kingdom, immediately, automatically, the expectation was the righteousness in which God has now given to you through Christ, that which he has imputed, the righteousness of God we now have because of the sacrifice, because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is to be practiced. We have people today, we're so busy professing and proclaiming that we are doing nothing. And we have people professing to be believers, professing to follow Christ, and yet there is no part of their behavior, no part of their lifestyle, no part of their actions, nothing of what they practice looks like Jesus. So I have to ask the question, do you really know him or are you just in a parade? There's something else that's at work here. Those acts which are known to be righteous can be done in an unrighteous way. Boy, that is a sober warning for you and I. I know I jumped right in. I didn't give you a nice little hook in. I didn't make you feel good on the way in. I, the text doesn't warn it. He jumps right in. Beware. And that beware says, look at intently. When someone says, watch it now, what they're telling you is, hey, you, you need to pay close attention. Never forget the first time we went up to Mount Pilatus in Switzerland. If you go up there now, it's totally different. They've now secured it at an American level. It used to be secured at a Swiss level, which meant you could fall off the mountain very easily because the Swiss were, are into personal responsibility. You go on and fall off the edge if you that dumb. That's, that's, that's their thing. 
We have a little wooden guardrail up here. I'm 7,000 feet in the air, and you have a wooden guardrail up that anyone can climb over or under, and there goes the drop. I went up there about a year before we left, no, the year we left, and one of my cousins came, and I was like, oh, they done Americanized this thing. They have guards. You've got to try hard to fall off the mountain now. But that first time we went up there, I, I, I learned real quick, said to the kids, beware, hey, 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 watch it, watch it. Why? Because that edge, and I know we're used to the Americanized version of safety. Y'all going to think, there's no way I'm going to fall off this thing. No, you can easily fall off. But it's beware, and it's that same focus that's here for us today. He says, as you are growing, as you are looking to live out your faith, watch it. Why would you tell me to watch it as I'm living out my faith? Because there is inside of you this sinful nature that is always wanting for something to happen. What is that? To be seen. I, and, 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 and here, we can get spiritual with it. I want to be seen as holy. I want to be seen as righteous. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be known for your righteousness. That that's what characterizes you. That's okay. That's good. I would want my character, but am I trying to make people see that I am? See, I'm holy. See, I'm holy. Guys, look. See, I'm holy. And so the things we do, the places we go, I'm going to ask you, is attending service this morning more because you want to be in a position where you are fed and fed the word of God, encouraged by the saints and corporately worshiping the Lord? Or was it a place where, hey, I just want them to see that I was in church this week. Jesus is now moving from those things which will characterize the kingdom citizen, to those things which will motivate why the citizen acts and what they do. And boy, he's getting to the, he's getting to the heart of the matter that only he can see. See, you and I, all we see are the outside. We see what people do. Sometimes we can tell their motives based on certain ways they act, but you can't see what's deep down in my heart. You can't see what's, 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 what's happening with me. You, you can't see. You can't see what's going on. I'm like, they're in there partying back there. <laughs> Hold on a second. That's the nursery. <laughs> they're in there. Hey, we're in the wrong side of the building. Anyway, he says to you and I, underneath the surface of my actions lie my motives, and only God gets to the heart of that. And I love how Jesus is doing it. He says, here we go. He says, make sure. He says, watch it. Practice with caution. God does not approve. He does not reward what you do out of trying to be seen. Now, we don't do it to get a reward. We do it because it pleases God. But understand what's happening. He says here, you and I, uh, God does not approve of those great-looking things that we do when it is done from a heart that is trying to be noticed. 
And sometimes that trying to be noticed is subtle. You cannot, it, it, it may be, you're not even intentionally doing it. And we're going to get into some of the ways because he gives three ways in which he wants to, he wants us to look at to see how our actions are motivated. But he says to you and I, look, understand we can all do some good things. As a matter of fact, there are unbelievers. There are people that don't follow Christ. There are people that don't want to follow Christ that are doing some good things. We call it giving back today. But understand, all of the giving back does not constitute approved living by God. The difference between the person giving back um, because it's, it's, it's the thing to do and you and I living out our righteousness is the motivation behind it. I'm doing it as a heart of compassion, pleasing God, wanting my father to, to be approved of my lifestyle. Or is it just what you do because I was given something? Is it what you do because the cameras are rolling? Is it what you do because the neighborhood is watching and I'll build a reputation? Hey, I'll give, you give. If, if I give enough one day, I'll come and ask you for a favor. That's not what God is talking about. But that's what went on. And so we look at it. He says, practice with caution. He says, because understand if this is done without caution, you will actually be living a disapproved lifestyle thinking you are doing something for God. That's exactly what the religious leaders, the Pharisees, were doing. And he called them out, put them on blast, set them as an example. You don't want to be like them. Understand, in that culture, Everyone thought that they were holy and high. Everyone thought that they were the example of life. And Jesus says, they're not the example, guys. I am. As a matter of fact, I don't even want you to look like them at all. Because if your righteousness, remember he says earlier, if your righteousness doesn't exceed theirs, you're not even in. And that must have been a shock to them because these were their religious leaders. And Jesus says, if you aren't living any better than them, and I know that's your standard, you're not even in. And then you just watch all the jaws drop as they go, well, if they're not in, who's in? Jesus says, let me give you some hope and tell you about the kingdom. So he gives three examples of what we call Christian piety or religious behavior that God honors. See, most of what sickens people today is this religiosity that is at best a parade. They are showing off. They want people to think and see them in a particular light, and people are tired of it. They are. People are sick of it. But Jesus says, let me show you a way that is infectious that draws people to you because it looks like me. And he gives three examples. I love the first one because, see, we, many times, we will relegate this to something we have if we have time, if we have money, if we have extra. He gives three examples of Christian piety that could go wrong if you're not careful. And the first one is giving to the need. Not just giving. See, not just giving. He didn't say giving. He said giving to the needy. 
those that lack the resources, those that lack whatever is needed, he says, giving to them. It was expected in that culture, giving to the needy or what's called almsgiving was expected. Why? Because you had a lot of poor there. That agrarian society had a level and a class that was always going to be poor. Jesus said to himself, you will have the poor with you all the time. But he said, but the expectation was giving. And what had become something that was good to help others, we take in our little sinful hearts as that which gives us a platform to be seen. And, 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 and just in case we start focusing on back then and don't focus on now, just in case we throw them under the bus back then, understand we still do it today in our society. So let me ask the question. Second point is giving or being seen giving? Are you giving or are you being seen giving? There's a difference in that. And so he comes in and says, giving to the needy was a major expectation for those that would live righteously. Let's read what it says. But, but, but in that, they had turned it into something ugly. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Boy, there is no greater way to get people's attention than to sound a trumpet. Play a trumpet wherever you are next time and find out what happened. You'll get everyone's attention. But we don't need a trumpet today. Here's what we do. Hold on a second. Let me, let me get that camera on reverse so that it's focused on me. See, here's what I have. See, I could take... I could have you out there, which I do right now. Y'all are in my picture. See, but what I do is I turn it this way, and I'm the focus right now, and all I got to do is I'm in church, y'all, today. Man. Hey. I got everyone in the picture, and I'm giving. Watch, watch me give, y'all. Now, there's nothing wrong with being excited about what you're in or doing, but boy, I have to tell you, God says, be careful because it is easy for you to take the credit or we got folk that are walking up in the middle, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to call it a folk walking up in the middle of the service, putting their money on the, on, on the altar. You just got your reward. Everyone saw you. As a matter of fact, you might as well pick it up and take it back with you now because there's no, it's not honoring God. Here's my point. God says, when you give to the needy. Don't let everyone know, well, you know, I gave yesterday at the office. Well, you know, last week I gave, I don't know why, last week I gave at the homeless shelter. You know, last week I served at the homeless shelter. It was so good. God blessed. Yeah, God blessed. Mm -hmm. But you know what? We laugh, but God says, be careful. Because inside you and I is this insatiable desire to be seen, known, heard, liked. And here's what we do. It's, this is what got me. Instead of allowing God's approval to be enough, we cheapen and prostitute it by saying, no, 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 God, your approval I really don't need. I want theirs. 
I want theirs. Because God's like, you don't want mine? No, God, I want theirs. And really what it says is they're more important. And God says, okay, next time. See, he doesn't do this to you, but next time you need that help, make sure you go to them. See, that's what I would say. Next time you want help, go ahead to them and see how much help you get. Next time it's impossible, don't come to the one who can do the impossible. Go to the people that can't do the impossible. See, here's my point with it. God is saying, you and I giving to the needy out of a heart of compassion, out of a heart for wanting God to be honored is hard because we are constantly dealing with ourselves. And see, no one will ever know that when you gave, you were like, now they really going to recognize me. No one knows it but God. And boy, that hit me as I was studying for this. I was in the ways that I give, in the ways that I give my time to the needy, in the ways that I give. You know, if a crowd doesn't show up, I'm mad. Why am I mad if a crowd doesn't show up? Why am I upset? I have to ask myself that question. Why was I there? Well, 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 Lord, more people would be blessed. That's a good one, Curtis. That's a good one. More people would be blessed. I like that. But you and I both know that wasn't the reason. The reason was that you wanted to feel good, that a lot of people came. Hey, every Sunday, I deal with it. You know, it's this, Lord, help me to speak and preach well. I have to ask myself, why? Do I want them to leave saying, Pastor, that was a great message? Or do I want them to hear something that will help change their life? Those who are up front deal with it all the time, and you have to constantly examine your motives and constantly examine why you are doing what you do. God wants us to do that. He says, be careful. Pay attention to it. Instead of then being seen, what does he want us to do? For, and this sounds like it is impossible. He says, well, let me ask this. Do you want to be known as a giver or do you want to just give? That's the question. Do I want to be known as a giver or do I want to just give? And God says, for kingdom citizens, you want to just give. How do you do that? He says, when and thus, when you give, thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do. Now, just a qu quick note on this thing about hypocrites. That word is what was, it, it is a theatrical term. It is what was used for theater and play. They were play acting. You know, like they, they, were, they were acting. And still today, we have hypocrites. I mean, we have people that are play acting. And so the whole thought is when you are a hypocrite, you are not who you are playing to be. You're play acting. And so he says here, these hypocrites who were giving were trying to paint the picture of being pious and holy. But he says, but they were hypocrites. And he goes, the hypocrites do in the synagogues. Today, that'd be church. In, 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 in the synagogues. Hypocrites in the synagogues. Go figure. He says... Thus, when you give to the needy,
do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Have you ever tried that before? So that your giving may be in secret. What does he mean there? Obviously, it is utterly impossible for you and I to not know what one part of our body, what my left hand is doing. I didn't know that my right hand was in my pocket. No, I put it in there. How do I not know? See, the issue becomes he says that you are working so hard not to try and be seen with your motives that you are, you are almost unaware by the fact that you're giving. He says you are setting it up such that you have you know, the least amount of opportunity to take credit for. You are trying to be secretive with your giving. You are trying to give without, and, and, and here's what I would say, side note, when we are giving to those in need, please be careful to preserve the dignity of the person that you're giving it to. I know many times we want to get a picture to send back to others, but did they want to be in your picture? And God says to you and I, when you give, do you need to be noticed? Do they need to respond gratefully? Now, yes, we should respond in gratitude when we are giving things. But if gratitude is not the response, what do we do? I'm not giving to them anymore because they were ungrateful. And then the question becomes, why were you giving? So God said, you and I, look, you put yourself in a position where it is almost as if you don't know what one part of it, where, where you don't even know what you're doing. Yes, I know. But he says that you are trying your hardest not to be seen or noticed. Boy, that would change the game drastically for many of you and I. If we would just give. I don't care who responds. I'm giving. I don't care who says, thank you. I'm giving. Why? Because, Lord, it's for you. I see a need, and I can meet it, and I'm going to give my time, and I'm not going to grumble and complain about it. I ain't going over there to those folk anymore. I'm not giving no more of my time. No one showed up. My point becomes, why? Because I honor God. So then he goes to the next one. Not only are we to be givers who are giving in secret and God will reward it. And here's the deal. God chooses the reward. You don't ask for the reward. God, I gave. Can you give me back? Mm -mm. So I'm not giving to get because it is God's choice on how he rewards. How is he going to reward? None ya. For those that don't stand, none of your business. I will choose, God says, how I reward. And you know what? You will like it. Yeah. Promise you will. Because your heart is pointing toward God. And then he goes to the next one. So he says, okay, so giving was one. Second one then is prayer. He says, and when you pray, I love this, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. There we go again. He says it again. He is comparing them to those who thought they were living right before God. They should have known they weren't because of the many things that they had put in place. But he says, I don't want you to be like the hypocrites. And here's what the hypocrites do. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and, and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. That's that second phrase, that they may be seen. And so they get up, Pastor, let me pray today, please.
and get up, and all of a sudden their voice changes. They become actors. Dear God, Father. I'm like, dude, you didn't talk like that before. But all of a sudden, here it goes. He says, here's what they do. They stand up in the synagogues. Now, the street corner is because there would go out the call for prayer. And some of them would stop right where they were and would just start praying. And people would go, oh, he's so spiritual. Wow. Just dropped everything and started praying. And God is like, that dude is just trying to be seen. And you don't even know it. Now, I'm not saying that praying in the street means you're trying to be seen. Because there may be a time where you may have to do that. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying is that these hypocrites, these play actors, these people who are wanting to pretend to be righteous, what they will do is that they will stand up where there's a crowd and they will do it. Understand, Jesus prayed a lot. He prayed publicly, but most of his prayer was private. When you read through the Gospels, you see he got alone to play. He got alone to pray. He got up early to pray. You know, he prayed all night. Before he selected his disciples, he went away and he prayed. No one was with him. No crowd, no cameras, no nothing. He was connecting with his father. Why? Because he enjoyed prayer, connecting with God, talking with God, humbling himself before the Father. That was an example for you and I. And so he says to us, look, when you pray, it is expected, just like giving was expected, prayer is, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who need a crowd in order to pray. Examine yourself. Do you only pray when you're in public? When there's a crowd? Do you pray privately? When you were the way the amount of time you give the prayer, how much is private and how much is public? God says, you can gauge that. He said, because it's that private time in prayer that gives the power that we seek. But then he goes, when you pray. Before I get into the example of it, he says, understand, Father, in secret. Again, this is this whole deal of God is saying, do privately what God will reward, and God chooses if he rewards publicly or privately, but he will reward. He says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases, uh, as the Gentiles do, for, I mean, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them because your father knows what you have before you receive them. He says, look, don't think it's in your fine and flashy words or it's in your repetitions because it's what the Gentiles did and that they had to petition their gods. And the more they said, the greater they listened. They said, God says, it's not in the length of your words. It could be short. It could be long. But it is where those words are coming from that's important. What are you trying to do? Are you trying to win God over with your words? God says, I knew what you needed before you formed the word on your lips. So he says, so your words isn't what count. He says, it's the fact that you have humbled yourself to come before me, to lay before me and say, God, you are the one who I need to come to and who will meet my need. And, and, and it is that humble posture and position that puts you now in a place where you can communicate with the God of the universe. 
So he says, when you pray, he goes, pray then like this. See, some people have thought it said, pray this. He didn't say pray this. It says, pray then, and that like is there in the Greek. Pray then like this. Some people call it the Lord's Prayer. No, it's a model prayer. And we'll go through it just real quick. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Matthew's account of this. And then he says, for if you... Forgive, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. He says, then pray like this. The first thing he says to you is, number one, he says, you need to recognize who God is and where God is. First thing, when you are connecting with God, he says to him, recognize, he says, our Father, that's who God is in heaven. See, sometimes because of the privilege we have to come close to God, we treat God like he's our neighbor. And he says, he grabs your attention, Father, the one who is providing, the one who has leadership over discipline, the one who is protecting and covering. Father, I know some of us haven't had good fathers. Don't relate God to that guy. God says, Father, in his purest form, he says, who is in heaven? That place of purity, that place of ultimate authority over us. Then he says, hallowed to be holy is your name. Do you realize he puts, Jesus says first, recognize who God is, where he is, and who he is in relation to you, holy. Boy, some of us, we come to God as if he's a friend that owes us something. Some of us don't even come to him as a friend, as a dude that owes us something. And Jesus says, boy, in essence, know your place. Know your place when you come to God. And some of us, but we've gotten so familiar with God. Yeah, God. Um, 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 today, God. Oh, boy, God says, know your place. Yes, his grace is great, but understand who is dispensing that grace. So he says, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And here's the next thing he said. You are embracing that you are living under his sovereign rule when you say your kingdom come. You are anticipating and submitting yourself and humbling yourself under the rule and the sovereign reign of God over your life. That's control. You are saying, God, I am in and under your kingdom, and I am wanting to live like that. You have rule over me. Thy will be done. And when you read it in its original, we say on earth as it is in heaven, really it says thy will be done in heaven as it is on earth. Uh, As it is in heaven, so be it on earth. As it is in heaven, so be it on earth. It's how it actually reads. Your will be done 
as it's being done in heaven. Why? Because it is under the rule and reign of God. And uh, let it be done on earth under the rule and reign of God. And so he is saying, God, that same authority and rule that you have in heaven, Lord, we embrace it. Not we, we, we allow you to have it here. And if God doesn't need your permission to have his reign and rule on earth, God is saying, as it is in heaven, you recognize it's the same on earth. Thus you bring yourself under subjection to him. And then he says, we depend on you for what we need daily. One of the reasons why Paul tells Timothy in the book of Timothy to warn the rich in this world, the reason he tells him to warn the rich is because the tendencies of the rich is, I don't need you, God, until there's a crisis. I have everything I need. But here the kingdom person says, he says, give us today our daily bread. Understand the society, agrarian society, they ate day to day. They paid wages day to day. They paid them their wages. And so their wages meant I can get food today. And so they understood that concept. But then he says, also, as you pray, understand forgiveness is the key. God forgiving you and you forgiving others. And that God will help keep you from the evil one. And when the temptations come, that you overcome them. But then he draws back and makes another point. He says, uh, let me go back on forgiveness for a moment because that's really important. If you cannot, I mean, if you forgive those who have trespassed, who have gone against, who have crossed the line with you, God will forgive you when you cross the line on him, not if, when. He says, but if you don't understand your father in heaven, your father, he, he's not, you've not received forgiveness from him. Wow. So what God has said is in the prayer, recognize who God is and his supply for you, but recognize also the strength of the community he's placed you in and those people in the faith that are important because if you are not forgiving those around you, you are missing part of the equation as a kingdom citizen. And so he gives us some prayer. And then lastly is fasting. And fasting, again, was that, was that outward sign. You were humbling yourself and putting yourself in a position to have greater time and intensity with the Lord. That was the purpose of fasting, not to twist God's arm, not to make God do what you want him to do, but it was so that you would humble yourself to hear what God was wanting to do. And it says, and when you fast, verse 16, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. There's that group again, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And understand, in each of these cases, when you are doing this for the, for the approval of men to be seen, you've gotten what you've attempted to be seen. So he said, so there's, there's no more to have. You've got what you've wanted. So he says, so don't come looking to me for more. Don't think that now I'm going to say that was a good job, son. No, you got your reward. I'm not even recognizing it. 
And so he says that with giving, with prayer, and now with fasting, fasting is supposed to be that time that is a signal of you humbling yourself to spend greater time with the Lord and for him to change your heart and to, and to lead and direct you. And, and, and once again, it had become a sign. It had become something that could be seen. Today, boy, we could do that with a number of things. It used to be when you dressed you know, for church, it was because you honored God and you, and you wanted to come in your best. Well, then it became a fashion show. And who could dress the best? And then we went the other way now. And so we dress down and we dress casual. And, and, and don't think that it's there now because now is the race to see, well, how casual can I get? I want people to see that I'm really casual and that, and that and I'm cool and, and that I'm okay with that. And then I'm not going to dress up on that holiday because I want people to see that I'm casual. I want people to see. You know, when you are doing this, boy, it is just so subtle. And so fasting was that sign. And so they would, they would, they would throw ashes on their face. Their hair would be messed up. And we'd be like, like dude, what's wrong with you? I'm fasting. Um, she said, he said, no, 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 no. Clean yourself up. Look your best. No one even knows. And once again, your father who sees you, here it is, in secret. Here is the deal. God says, this whole thing about how you practice your righteousness is that you don't need a crowd for it to happen. But if you are parading it, you best believe you need a crowd because that is the definition of a parade. Okay, here it is. If you have a group of people and you're walking down the middle of the street and no one is watching you, you're a public nuisance. Get a band, get a group of people, walk down the middle of the street, you'll probably have the police stop you. What are you doing? We're having a parade. Uh, no, that would mean that there would be people watching you. So a parade has to have spectators. Jesus said, I'm looking for practitioners, not parade participants. And for you and I, even with our fasting, he says, look, don't look like you're doing something for me. Just do it. Don't look like you're giving something to them. Just give. Don't look like you're talking to me. Just We don't do that in our normal conversations. We go to have a conversation with someone. Look, I'm talking to them. Look, I'm... We would think you're weird. God says, why do you do that with me? See, for you and I, the strength is in Getting close to God because I want to and I love him. Giving out of what God has given me because I love him and I want to. Humbling myself and sacrificing food so I can spend some more time because I want to and I love him. And if that becomes your case, you are now living out your righteousness as a true citizen of the kingdom. So let me ask you a question for us at the end. Are you practicing or are you parading your righteousness? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we have had the opportunity to look at your word, Lord. 